So before I jump in, because it also ties in together with what I'm sharing, Zach and Osi are actually going to come up and just share for two minutes, <clears throat> two minutes, you know, about, about what it is that they are going to do. Um, I should just give the mic to Oski, it won't be longer than three minutes top. So, you know, it'll be a better... But about, about where they're going, what they're doing, and what the fundraiser is for, and there's a sign-up sheet for the fundraiser because she will have, while she will have extra cookies, you know, for people to buy if they're like, oh man, I forgot, the better planned ahead of time, she can be the easier it is on her to be able to help with this fundraiser. And so, uh, so, so we want to be able to help do that and everything else. So Zach, go ahead and tell us a little bit about what you guys are doing. Yeah, so as, uh, Jesse already announced, we're, going back uh, to California. She's never been, uh, but for a long time, my dream has been to um, serve in ministry um, and lead worship, um, and which I've been walking in for a while, but there's, there's more to it than that. And I've been wanting to create uh, albums and um, do more of the production side of things. And I recently got an internship, which is the third third and final year, uh, with a um, a guy named Antonio Marin uh, from uh, Bethel Music, which also oversees uh, the Bethel Music College. So I'll get to uh, be down there and observe and um, serve the Bethel Music crew and sit in there in uh, recording sessions and stu- student recording sessions. Um, and really get hands-on, learn, um, take back tools so I can use those in uh, my career. Uh, So we have a fundraiser here uh, for making cookies. Sign-up sheet here. And if if you guys want to donate more, that would be awesome. (laughs) Yeah. Um, This is just the cost here of uh, how making the cookies and just a little bit extra. Um, so if, again, if you guys wanted to donate more, that would be amazing. I'm going to start over here with this sign-up sheet, and you guys can pass it back and so on and so forth. Thank you. So, so on the 16th, that's two weeks from today, um, that, that is when we're going to be having this. Normally we have snacks after service to just you know hang out and fellowship and those kinds of things. And they're always free, but on the 16th, they're not free. So I'm just uh, letting you know. But anyway, so. Um, but, but it's a great way for us to be able to invest, not only with, with people who have, like OC has been brought up here in this church. I mean, you guys moved here when you were what, 13? 15, I was close. And so, you know, so OC and her family, they moved here when she was 15. And so for the last 10 years, like they've been part of the church, you know, and helping her grow into the calling that God has had. You know, Zach was in Bethel, or he was at Bethel in California there for for, for a few years doing those things. And then he just kind of felt, he goes, you know what? He goes, he goes, I I don't really feel like I'm supposed to be here at this moment. I think I'm going to go back to Durango where his parents had lived here for a little while and then they'd moved to Arizona and different things. But so Zach started coming here and he started coming to the church. He didn't know OC. And then all of a sudden, I think that's one of the reasons why God brought them back together. Okay, is that God brought him back here so he can meet O.C. and they could get married and accomplish the things that God has designed them to accomplish, which is really, really exciting. And so, you know, so, so it's, it's now been that moment of kind of going, all right, well, we've been married for about a year. We don't have any money, so we're used to that and we'll just go, all right? So, you know, it's a, <clears throat> that God is calling them and, and it's going to be a great thing for us to be able to send them out in this. So last week, Jesse spoke and his message was, 
we are called, right? I got it right, didn't I? We're, we're called. We are all called. We are called. And when he was sharing that last week, I was like, man, that, that's, that's just really good. And I started thinking about other things. And I, God gave me this week, just, I'm just piggybacking off of what Jesse spoke on last week about we are called. And the title of today's sermon is, You Are Chosen. So not only are you called, but you are chosen. See, there's a, well, I'll start here. There's a verse in Matthew chapter 22, verse 14, where Jesus says this. And he says, for many are called, but few are chosen. Now, when we read this verse out of context, all by itself without any other thing, we can look at that and say, well, you know, Jesse said we're called, but I'm probably not one of the chosen ones. Many are called, but few are chosen. Now, the entire parable that Jesus was telling here was about how the king had sent out all of his servants to the entire city, and he had sent out invitation to everybody to come to this banquet that he was having. All the citizens of the city, he said, man, he goes, send out the invitation, and nobody would come. And so then the king resent out his servants to everyone, not just the citizens of the city, but everyone. The highways and byways, Jesus said. And you tell them all to come, and they all came. And there's this reality here that so many had been called, but only few came. One of our big problems, I think, that when we hear this word that we say, you are chosen, is that we kind of, it just conjures up as a, you've been picked. You've been picked. It might take you back to grade school where you're standing in the gymnasium and the teams are being picked and you're going, oh man, I'm not even going to get picked. And so we think of this word chosen and we think, yeah, no, that's just not me. But chosen has such a deeper connotation to it than that. This word chosen actually has to do with not just God picking us out of a crowd, but it has to do with the decision that that person makes. Earlier this week when I was just kind of thinking about what Jesse was sharing last Sunday... I guess it was Monday or Tuesday, God asked me, he goes, do you know why only a few are chosen? Now, when God asks you a question, it's not because he's looking for information, just so you know. (laughs) All right? He said, do you know why only a few are chosen? And I'm like, well, obviously you know the answer, so I need to know this answer. And God said, because they said yes. And I sat there and I thought, man, that sounds really great. But show it to me in scripture. Because I don't want to just make an assumption off something that I've always thought without seeing the principle applied through scripture. Because otherwise you can get yourself in trouble big time. And God began to reveal to me that the whole reason why they were chosen, because they said yes. The same invitation went out to everyone, but only the ones who said yes were chosen. And it's not because they did anything special. It's because they said yes. So today, I'm going to talk about a few different people in scripture who said yes. 
And I want this to challenge us to a point that says, I need to say yes. I don't want to just be called. I want to be chosen. And you have the ability to decide if you are chosen or not. I went through a whole bunch of notes. Hold on, let me get down here. But in Esther chapter 4, we see this principle of being chosen played out. See, leading up to the verses that we're about to read, I'm going to kind of set the background here. So Esther was, she, she was just a common Jewish girl who, by no fault of her own, was caught up in the politics in the land in which she was taken to. And from there... Through a series of events, she was made queen. As a Jewish girl who all the Jews were basically subjects in this land, and she was made queen. Now, we can sit there and we can romanticize that and go, man, that sounds amazing. She was queen. She went from rags to riches overnight. Well, she had no governing authority. She had no place of anything other than the fact that she was arm candy for the king. That's really it. Do you know how she became queen? She won a beauty contest. That's how she became queen, all right? And in those days, the queen was only allowed, or anyone for that matter, was only allowed to go to the king if the king accepted them. The king had to accept them and say, yes, you're welcome to come in. If you were not invited, if you walked in before the king, you could die. It's that serious. It's not like they had a relationship. They were just, she was ornamental, all right? And that sounds terrible, but it's just the reality of it. And then all of a sudden, a plot begins to happen. So here she is as queen, living a life comfortably. And all of a sudden, she hears about a plot that is, being, that is happening where all the Jews are about to be exterminated. The Holocaust before what we know of as a Holocaust. There's a plan devised to take out every single Jewish person in this kingdom. And all of a sudden, she's sitting there living this life of luxury, being attended to by all the servants. And whether it's her uncle or her cousin, scholars debate it, but his name's Mordecai. He's an older gentleman, and whether it's her uncle or her cousin doesn't really matter. But he all of a sudden goes out to the front of the gate where she is in the palace, and he begins to weep. And tears clothes and just mourning in sorrow because he knows what is getting ready to happen. And see, Esther's been insulated. She has no idea what's getting ready to happen. But then somebody tells her, hey, uh, crazy Uncle Morty is uh, outside and uh, kind of causing a scene. You might want to go talk to him. So she sends some servants out there. And that's where we pick up here. So this is chapter 4, verse 3. Those are the first... Three chapters in a nutshell. All right, so chapter four. As the news of the king's decree reached all the provinces, there was a great mourning among the Jews. They fasted, wept, and wailed, and many people lay in burlap and ashes. When Queen Esther's maids and eunuchs came and told her about Mordecai, because he was causing a scene, remember, she was deeply distressed. She sent clothing to him to replace the burlap, but he refused it. When Esther sent for... That guy, one of the king's eunuchs who had been appointed as her attendant, she ordered him to go to Mordecai and find out what was troubling him and why he was in mourning. So that guy went out to Mordecai and in the square in front of the palace gate, 
And Mordecai told him the whole story, including the exact amount of money that Haman had promised to pay into the royal treasury for the destruction of the Jews. Mordecai gave that guy a copy of the decrees issued in Susa and called for the death of all the Jews. He asked that guy to show it to Esther and explain the situation to her. He also asked that guy to direct her to go to the king and beg for mercy and plead for her people. So the guy returned to Esther and with Mordecai's message. Then Esther told the guy to go back and relay this message to Mordecai. All the king's officials and even the people in the provinces know that anyone who appears before the king in this inner court without being invited is doomed to die unless the king holds out his gold scepter. And the king has not called for me to come to him for 30 days. So the guy gave Esther's message to Mordecai. And Mordecai sent this reply to Esther. Don't think for a moment that because you're in the palace, you will escape when all other Jews are killed. If you keep quiet at a time like this, deliverance and relief for the Jews will arise from some other place. But you and your relatives will die. Who knows if perhaps you were made queen for just such a time as this. Then Esther sent this reply to Mordecai. Go and gather together all the Jews of Susa and fast for me. Do not eat or drink for three days, night, for three days, night or day. My maids and I will do the same. And then, though it is against the law, I will go in to see the king. And if I must die, I must die. So Mordecai went away and did everything as Esther had ordered him to do. See, there was most likely a feeling and an assumption that she was safe because I'm the queen. And I look at Esther and then I look at things in my own life and sometimes it's very easy to, because I've been called, to just fall into the comfort of being called. But then the moment happened where now all of a sudden she actually has to make the decision, am I going to say yes to my calling? Mordecai reminds her, listen, this is not about you. This is way bigger than you. And who is to say that you have not been appointed queen for such a time as this? Do we understand that? I mean, God's, uh, Mordecai is telling her, he's, he's going, God has made you to be the exact right age that you were in the exact demographic that you are so that in this moment the king will choose you and now you are here and now you have the opportunity to stop something that is so destructive. But the choice is still yours if you will say yes or not. And I love her response because then after she realizes the gravity of the moment that she's in, she sends a reply back to Mordecai and she says, all right, now I need you and all, all, everybody else to be praying and fasting for me for three days. I'm going to do the same. Because she understood the severity of the ramifications that could happen if she went in before the king without being called. And her response there I believe that her yes was made in that moment. She said, yes, I will do this. And if I die, I die. But it's worth it to say yes. 
Mordecai took it in that moment because he knew more information. And he knew she had been called. But now it was a time if she was going to decide if she was going to be chosen or not. And now when she went in to see the king, he extended the scepter and he was so happy to see her. And he's like, man, look, what a surprise. This is great. And then all these things happened. And the guy, Haman, who actually decided to, or who was actually planning the, the annihilation of the Jews, ended up being killed at the end of the story. And the Jews ended up prospering in that land. Because she said Yes. Some of us, I'm going to get personal now. So maybe, maybe think about your neighbor. Maybe not me, but my neighbor. Some of us, right? We know that we've been called to do something. But we are being too content just sitting knowing that our calling is here without actually saying yes to step into it. Now for us, the ramifications may not be as severe as they would have been for Esther and her people. But how do we know? How do we know? She was at a point of going, man, life's good. I'm comfortable. This is great. This is nice. I mean, look at me. Out of all the people, he chose me to live in the palace. This is incredible. God, you're so good to me. Man, a Jew who's not even supposed to be here gets... Picked to be his queen. And now I live in this palace. Thank you, God. And that's true. But how many of us stay there instead of whenever things get hard, we go, and now I'm also willing to say yes. It's challenging this morning. But it's good. Because God's been reaching, he's just been showing me these things all week. He's like, man, he goes, I, not only do I have a calling and a destiny on your life, like Jesse talked about last week, but knowing that is not good enough, we have to be willing to say yes to the call. If we are unwilling to say yes, we will always end up just with a whole lot of potential. I, whenever that day comes and I die, I do not want it to read on my gravestone, Chris was full of potential. (laughs) Right? Don't let your life go by thinking about what could have been for the glory of God. Be willing to say yes to his calling. Too often, we want to blend into the crowd instead of being willing to say yes. I heard a pastor say this week on a podcast I was listening to. I thought, man, it's like that's, that's going to go right along with what God had already given me, which is really cool. But he made the comment. He said, he said, Goliath was not sent to destroy David. Now, that was the enemy's plan. The enemy's plan was for Goliath to go out there and wipe out the Jews because he was, he was a champion. He was a, a giant. But this guy said, he goes, no, he goes, Goliath wasn't 
sent there to destroy David. He goes, God used Goliath to reveal David. And I sat there and I thought, man, no kidding. David had been anointed in 1 Samuel 15. He had been anointed as king. That is his calling to be king, right? What did David do the moment after he was called by God? The Bible tells us he went back out and started and kept tending sheep. He kept doing the very things that he knew he was supposed to be doing, the things he'd always done, which is great and right. But then there came a moment where that anointing of being king had to be revealed. And that giant had to come in so that the call of God could rise up and the opportunity to say yes to be chosen could come about. Many of us have a lot of giants in our own lives that we are going, oh man, but I don't know. And oh my gosh, that thing's here to destroy me. It's going, oh my gosh, it's going to kill me. Oh man, what am I going to do? And rightfully so, because man, those things are huge. Maybe it's financial, maybe it's relational. Maybe it's spiritual, maybe it's physical. Whatever it might be is beside the point because at the end of the day, when David came and he was beginning to be revealed, he came to the army and all the army had already been sitting there going, man, this guy's, man, this Goliath, he terrifies me. And they had allowed fear to stir up inside of him. And David's response was, who is this uncircumcised Philistine that thinks he can defy the armies of the living God? His response was one that all of a sudden that anointing, that kingly anointing that had been deposited in him years before came about and he had a moment to say, I'm going to say yes. And he went out and he defeated the giant that the enemy had placed there to destroy him but that God used to reveal him. And so I want to ask you this morning, how many of you have a giant in your life that the enemy is sent to destroy you but if we will just yield to God's calling on our life, he's going to use to reveal you into everything he's called you to do. Don't be afraid of what the enemy sends to defeat you because greater is he who is in me than he who is in the world. We have to be willing to say, who is this that they think they can stand against God? Both Esther and David. Both of them were at a place in their life where saying yes changed everything. Some of us are at a place in our life where we're going, man, I, oh, how do I, and what if I, and oh man. And I want to say to you this morning that saying yes will change everything. Sometimes we think saying yes means that, oh, it's going to be easy and rainbows and butterflies. This will be great. It wasn't for either one of them. But it was worth it. Saying yes is how you get chosen. The Bible tells us that, it says that, I think it's in the book of Isaiah, if I remember right. It's not on the screen, don't worry. Michelle's going, shoot, you didn't give me that one. But the Bible tells us that, says that the spirit of God was looking to and fro over the earth, saying who would go for us. The Spirit of God was looking for someone to say yes. 
And Isaiah's response was, here am I, God, send me. I will say yes. Peter tells us in 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 9. He says, but you are not like that. For you are a chosen people. You are a royal priest, a holy nation, God's very own possession. As a result, you can show others the goodness of God, for he called you out of darkness and into his wonderful light. Peter is telling the church, he's like, man, you are chosen. Because they said yes. See, so often we can sit there and think, well, I mean, I'm I'm just not one of the chosen. You can be if you say yes. All you have to do is say yes. Yes, God, I'm willing. One of the big problems that I think that we have, as, especially as Americans and as society and, and for myself, is that there are many times that I'm going, this area of my calling is very comfortable for me. I know I'm good at this. I can do that, no problem. But then there's something that's way bigger and we go, Ooh. pretty sure God didn't actually want me to say yes to that. Because that is way harder than anything I can do. Good. Because if I could do it, I wouldn't need God. But if God has asked me to do it, he's called me to do it, then I have to have the willingness to say yes to the calling, even if it looks different than what I thought it was going to look like. Back many years ago, 15, 14, 15 years ago now, Chrissy and I had been married for about a couple years. And my grandfather, my dad's dad, was getting ready to pass away down in Texas. We went down to go see him before, before he passed. He had never got a chance to meet my wife, and so I wanted to make sure he got to see her and meet her before, before, before he passed away. He told me I did a good job, which is awesome. I was like, yes, all right. <laughs> Papa thinks my wife's pretty, yes, all right, and. But up until that moment, Chrissy was studying for law school. She was taking all these pre-classes for, for, for law and everything else because that was where she was feeling that she was going. And on this trip, there was a nurse who was just doing her job down there and doing all these things. But the way that she did her job with such excellence and with just such compassion. I remember we were coming home after my, my grandfather had passed away. And she told me, she goes, I don't think I want to go to law school anymore. And I'm like, well, then let's stop paying for it, right? And it was a, and, and she, goes, she, goes, she goes, and I feel like God is leading me to become a nurse. Completely off the radar. Not anything we'd ever thought about before. But God was leading her in this moment, and she said yes to that call. And then all these years later, all these different things that have happened where he was like, well, it doesn't look like you're going to get in, you get in. Well, it looks like you're going to be on this wait list because you waited too long. Nope, you're in you're front of the line. Well, it looks like this. Nope, here you go. Nope, here you go. Here you go. Favor after favor after favor after favor after favor. Doesn't mean it was easy, but the favor came because she said yes. And because she said yes, my wife has saved more babies' lives than I can ever imagine. There are people who celebrate Christmas now instead of dreading Christmas because my wife helped save babies' lives, which is, blows my mind. She said yes. 
So I want to ask you today, where is your yes? Where is your yes? Maybe it's a career change. Maybe it's a, it's, it's a stepping out into faith. Maybe it's a big move. Maybe it's, I don't know what it might be, but I know that there are so many of us who are called, but we're staying in this moment of just being called and we're not stepping into fully being chosen because we're deciding not to say yes. And God is saying, what are you going to say? What are you going to say? Say yes to his call. Step into your destiny. Don't let fear keep you from being chosen. Be like Esther. Be like David. They knew that saying yes had the potential to end their lives. But they said yes anyway. Because the yes was more important. Yes will always come with risks. But I've also learned in life that not saying yes has its own risk of its own. Yes will always come with risks. But if God is calling us, then we can trust that our yes will come with a bigger reward than what we could have ever imagined. If you say yes, I promise you these two things. The first one, it's going to be harder than you wanted it to be sometimes. I'm just telling you how it is. Saying yes isn't easy, but it is very simple. But point number two is that if you say yes, it will be the most rewarding thing that you can ever do with your life. I don't care how old you are. I don't care if you're a child, if you're a teenager, if you're a young adult, if you're middle-aged now, if you're old. I don't care how old you are, how long you've been in church, what you have done, what you haven't done, how much of your life you feel like you've squandered. There's an opportunity today to say yes. And if you say yes, I promise you, you will never, ever, ever regret it. So we're going to stand and pray and be dismissed this morning. And I just want to challenge you that if you are saying, yes, I need to say yes. Maybe you need to say yes to Jesus for the first time because you don't know him as your Lord and Savior. The man, come down here. I want to pray with you. But maybe you're going, you know what? Yeah, I know I've just been kind of stuck in this moment of calling and chosen and I don't know how to get there. But I want to say yes. Then if that's you this morning, you say, God, forgive me for not saying yes. And I'm saying yes today. After we pray, we're going to have people down here who would love to pray with you if you need prayer. Also, don't forget to meet me over here if you're going to help out with the 4th of July. And then there's snacks in the other room. Stick around and fellowship. Father, we love you and we thank you. God, I ask that you would just reveal to us in our life the, the importance of not just being called, but also saying yes to that calling. God, you're so good to us. And God, I ask that you would just let the Holy Spirit bring that conviction in the areas of our lives so that we can do everything that you have called us to do. God, I know that that means that we're not going to be perfect at it, but God, we can walk into your calling in our lives. God, help us to be able to rely on you 
in all of our choices and all of our decisions so that we can say yes, so that we can impact all those around us, just like David, just like Esther, because our yes is bigger than us. And in Jesus' name we pray, amen. Guys, you're dismissed. Have a wonderful week, and uh, we'll see you all next week.